You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Hello, I'm Sam Ruddock, and I am a sex addict. I have admitted that probably 500 times over the last four years, but never to a room of people who aren't also sex addicts. <laughs> so sorry about that. You're my guinea pigs. Um, feels good to have said that and not to have died. That's great. Um, I've struggled with all sorts of behaviours in my life from obsession with pornography through to erotic literature and um, chat and websites and all sorts of things. But most fundamentally of all, I, I really struggle with a faulty view of the world, which says that sex is the most important thing in the world. There's nothing more important that I will be saved through sex, that I will be completed, that the only way to find love is through sex. And it's that that fault in my, in my thinking, which has driven an obsession which lasted for 25 years, which led me to spend days upon weeks, upon months, upon years probably of my life, lost in my own fantasy world, um, hunched over a computer, um, chasing a high which promised so, so much and delivered relatively little, um, choosing to ignore sleep and food and sometimes washing and anything anything in favour of just acting out an addiction. But most of all, I spent that time disconnected from myself and from everyone around me, lonely and isolated in my own skin. And the only thing I was connected to in all of that time was the beast inside me. This beast that I thought was my pet, was my best friend, was my lover, was everything, and which turns out was just gutting me parasitically bite by bite from the inside out. Um, and this really, I guess, is a story of, of connection and trust um, and what, why, how I lacked those at one point um, and what I found with starting to rebuild them in my life over the last four years. Um, so like all things, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to blame my childhood, um, but this isn't really about blame. Um, I've always been a really socially anxious person. Um, I don't really understand. I don't know. There's probably loads of you who, who don't feel this, but there'll be some people who do. I don't know how anyone feels completely calm and relaxed in company. I don't. I feel incredibly tense. I feel like I have to control everything and manipulate and everything and manage everything. And I live in terror that I'm going to see that moment where the other person I'm talking to is bored and where I have to feel that I've been boring. Um, I've run away from that my whole life. I think like everyone, I crave security and acceptance and significance. Um, but I don't really feel worthy of them. Um, I, I don't know why, I just don't. Um, and I feel like I wear the neediness for those things, for security, for acceptance, for significance. Um, like this massive green boil that's growing out of the middle of my forehead. 
um, and that it makes me repulsive to people and that I have to cover it up in under so many layers of makeup and fakery that no one would ever know it was there. I, I remember being about seven or eight and I was being bullied at school a little bit, nothing particularly significant, but I broke down at the kitchen table in front of my parents. Um, and I remember feeling so raw in that moment that I decided I'm never going to let myself feel this way again. Um, I decided, literally, I am going to block, brick up all of that stuff that's going on and never um, go near it again. And then I'm going to put on this exoskeleton of smiles and positivity and seeing only the good in my life as a way of making sure that that stuff doesn't exist. Um, and I did that really, really effectively. Turned out that the exoskeleton was quite heavy to wear, but just a few years later, um, it's probably about 12 now, um, I found a, a magic bean that, that made carrying that weight really, really easy. And it won't surprise any of you to know that I discovered sex. I Psychologists talk about flow, which is a space of kind of optimal focus where everything is moving in the same direction, where all of your energy is going towards one purpose. Time ceases to matter. You stop, you're not fighting anything, and you can achieve some really amazing things. And if I'm honest, that's how it felt to me. That first time when I was about 12 and I first masturbated, I just felt like I'd entered this exhilarating and safe world where everything was perfect and I could breathe deeply and feel entirely attuned. I thought, I found it. I found the key to life. Finally, I've got the tool which is going to take away this social anxiety, which is going to um, help me connect with other people. Um, there was another part of my brain which also goes, well, why do I need other people anymore? I found you know, everything I need, and it's in my brain. I've got a bubble that I can slip into anytime and feel great. Um, why do I need to risk shame and vulnerability when I can just annihilate it on like a daily basis? Um, and of course I went with the second one. Um, and over time, that magic bean turned into an obsession. It wasn't long before. It was the first thing I was doing in the morning, the last thing I was thinking about at night. All of my significant thoughts during the daytime were focused on it and I would spend hours planning how I was going to find secrecy and privacy in order to, um, to do whatever I was thinking about. Um, and it, it felt so exciting. But at the same time, um, it wasn't, nothing was changing for me. Um, and as I grew up um, and grew older and became an adult, um, I remained the same anxious person desperately putting on a brave face for everyone and trying to um, trying to control the world, um, trying to impress everyone so that they would, uh, they would like me or at least I might see some self-worth in their eyes. Um, and where I, yeah, and as, as time went on, I got married, didn't change anything, started work, didn't change anything, I had lots of embarrassing moments as you might expect with the sex addiction, didn't change anything um, because I cared more for my addiction than I cared for anything or anyone else. Um, that's the truth of it, really. Um, like most addictions do, it escalated. Um, pretty soon, content I was engaging with got uh, more extreme, more shocking, more actually unpleasant to me even, but 
that was whole, that was part of it. That was part of the attraction. Dopamine is released in greatest quantities when you're both excited and shocked. Um, and that drove it. So my behaviours became more risky. Um, boundaries that I thought I never, ever would cross in a million years. I burst through and never looked back from. Um, every feeling I had became sexualized. And because I'd never, I'd always had a tool to take away all of my feelings, I never really went through those teenage hormone crazinesses. I never had to learn how to manage crazy feelings. Um, the result of, I grew into an adult who was utterly owned. I was a slave to my feelings, but they also, but I couldn't name them. I couldn't even understand them, and I certainly couldn't move beyond them. Um, I was like a volcano that could explode at any moment, um, triggered by any sort of feeling, um, and cover anyone around me in a hot, messy lever of magma and ash and it was yeah that's not a great image sorry <laughs> <laughs> excellent I've got a laugh in this in this overly serious talk no thank you I appreciate it uh, <laughs> um, yeah and you know so while my addiction kind of escalated um, at exactly the same time I was stagnating into this entitled manipulative um, self-centered human being who didn't really think about anyone or anything else. Um, Dante in The Inferno, now I'm going to sound fancy, um, he talks about hell as being a circle where you descend ever, ever great closer to yourself. Your ego becomes bigger and bigger in your life. Um, and, and that's what I was. And at the heart in Dante's Inferno, you find Satan, who is this frozen being um, who's constantly sucking the warmth from everyone else but giving no heat off himself. And that is, to be honest, what I became. Um, I became a leech um, and a parasite. And it's hard to look back on that, but it's the truth um, of what addiction really did to me. Um, you know, and the truth as well is that people became body parts. People became things to be used rather than people to love. I didn't even know what love was, so how could I love anyone else? Um, and it just got worse. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I'm a very much strong believer that there but for fortune go I, you know. I could have ended up doing anything in all sort of sorts of dangerous and crazy places. Fortunately, I didn't. I never abused anyone. I never victimized anyone. It was all me um, in my own crazy world. Um, but I did loads of harm to other people and around me. I mean, most particularly my wife, who's kind of you can imagine someone who can't acknowledge their own truths and who is desperately terrified that you might get anywhere near the shame at their core um, is probably not the greatest person to live with. And uh, the gaslighting that I did in, in controlling information and truths around me was horrible. And yet, despite all of this, I still thought I was living my best life. I thought this is what I want most in the world. I need more of this stuff, not less. Um, and I thought I was in control. I really did. Uh, it's amazing what denial um, can do. But all at once, one, uh, one evening, when I was probably at the peak of my arrogance and at the peak of my, what should we say, sort of professional, not success, but I'd done, just done something and I was proud of it and I was feeling really good about myself. Life collapsed and crumbled around me. And I found myself stumbling out. Uh, I, I, I think I might be a sex addict. 
and I was saying it purely and totally and solely to get away with it, so that this, the uh, the scrutiny on me could go away, and I would be left to uh, to get on with my life and change nothing. But the truth was, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I knew that they were true, and that there was nothing I could do to change it, and that. I had to be willing to change. I didn't know how I was going to change. I didn't know what I could possibly do to change this ingrained behavior. Um, but that was the first crack in the brick wall. That was the first time I'd ever let anyone see the truth about me. Um, I started reading some books and found a counselor um, and joined a 12-step program, which I can honestly say has been one of the greatest transformations of my life. And I learned that I wasn't actually God in my own life, that I might be better off if I listened to other people and learned from them and opened myself up to other experiences. Um, and I started listening to a lot of classical F classic FM to try and calm myself down and soothe myself. I was so, I was so wired in every way. Um, and, uh, yes, where was I? And... Um, all of those things started to make a slow difference. But the most important thing I learned is that I am utterly and totally powerless over my addiction. My addiction is like a gorilla. If I get in the ring with that gorilla and try to win a wrestling match, I am going to lose 100% of the time. There is nothing I can do to win that. It's like three tons, I'm a scrawny little guy. Um, it's not gonna be much of a fight. There's a, and that's a scary place to be, you know, feeling totally powerless over things and to, to realize that you're trying desperately to stop doing something and yet you still find yourself doing it. There's a lovely line in um, Coleridge where he talks about to, to know and loathe and yet will and do. Um, and that was, that was the truth of where I found myself. But I also was told that in that space of powerlessness, there's hope because you can stop fighting and the only way of doing that is to, not is, to, is to win, is to not get in the ring with the gorilla in the first place. It's to start to still the soul-stifling shame inside me, to make friends with that beast on its own terms as it really is, and come to integrate the self with um, all of the truths about me that I spent years trying to hide from. Um, I learned slowly over time that trust is the thing that I need most in my life. That if I can trust other people to see me as I really am, then I can live in the real world as I really am. And I found that connection changes everything. You know, there's some great experiments which have been done which suggest that connection is the absolute diametric opposite of addiction. That people who are connected to two other people don't become addicts in the first place. And if you are an addict, that connection can be the best cure. And that's why I wanted to share this story tonight. Because what I, I, I don't come here very often, but I listen to the, because I'm scared of being in public, but I listen to the podcast all of the time. Um, and I feel so connected to humanity when I listen. Um, and that's what I need more of in my life. Um, I need myself and my petty little stuff to become smaller. Um, and the stories of other people to become bigger. There is, I just want to end with one final quote, which just makes my heart sing every single time I hear it. Um, 
It's from G.K. Chesterton, who's an early 20th century writer, and he um, says, imagine how much larger your life would be if yourself could become smaller in it. You would break out of the tiny and tawdry theatre in which your own plot always plays, and you would find yourself under a freer sky on a street full of splendid strangers. I never let myself be on a street of anything. I certainly never let myself meet strangers or believe that they could be splendid. But I try and live that way now. Um, it's been really important for me to move beyond shame and to tell this story tonight. So thank you for holding that and thank you for being my splendid strangers. Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website truestorieslive.co.uk.